he used to believe that happiness was dependent upon achievement. And if I achieve, I will be happy. And he said, I finally realized happiness and achievement are independent variables. He said, achieve to achieve, be happy to be happy, but never believe achievement is going to make you happy. host and Emily Ken. And before we start with today's show, please remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at mindset.zone. So, Probably you are already familiar with my very special guest today, Marshall Goldsmith. He has been recognized for over a decade by Thinkers 50, Fast Company, Inc. Magazine, and Global Gurus as the world-leading executive coach. Marshall's latest book, The Earn Life, Lose Regret, Choose Fulfillment, has already hit the New York Times bestseller list, joining his other New York Times bestseller, just as the classic, What Got You Here Won't, Won't Get You There, Mojo, How to Get It, How to Keep It, How to Get It Back If You Lose It, and Triggers, Creating Behaviors, Behavior That Lasts, Becoming the Person You Want to Be. That is still one of my big favorites. So welcome to the Mindset Zone, Marshall. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you very much. And the first question that I want to ask you is that uh, when I, I read the book, The, the Earn Live, uh, when it was released a couple of months ago, and it's definitely it's one of my favorite books now, and you already wrote so many bestsellers as, uh, and the co-author so many other books. Why was so important for you to write this particular book? Now, this book was inspired by what happened to me during the COVID period. During COVID, nobody knew what was going to happen. So what I did was I established these weekend calls with my friend Mark Thompson. We spent 600 hours with 60 amazing people, and they talked about life. We did it for six months and then took a break, figuring maybe some you know, would like to quit, and yeah, it seemed a little awkward, so give them a chance to resign if they wanted to. Everybody resigned. And during these sessions, and I can tell you who the people were, their, their names are in the book. We had Pau Gasol, the famous basketball star, Curtis Martin, the football star. We had Telly Leung, the star of Broadway. We had you know, Jim Kim, president of World Bank. We had Raj Shah, head of the U.S., uh, head of the Rockefeller Foundation. We had the head of the Cardinal Health. We had the uh, head of Russell Investments, Michelle Seitz, uh, Margot Georgiatis, uh, you know, and Ancestry. Just amazing people, amazing people. And every weekend they discuss life. And these dialogues really inspired the book, The Earned Life, and really gave me not only the inspiration, but the content, because a lot of the content in the book came from those people. And uh, it's amazing uh, the situation of the COVID for everybody was like, there was not a roadmap for it. Right. Okay, the epidemiologists were seeing it coming, but for the other people, for all the rest of us was like, 
we didn't have a guide to what to do, so to speak, or experience from our life. And, uh, but at the same time, it became in many ways an opportunity to reinvent things. And I think what you are describing is one of those reinventions that result now in this book that can inspire other people to reinvent what they are doing. And one of the things that I love in the book, you very clear in the beginning, uh, you provide the operative definition for the title of the book, The Earn Life. You say, we are living an earned life when the choices, risks, and effort we make in each moment align with an overarching purpose in our lives, regardless of the eventual outcome. Tell us a little bit more about this definition. Well, the interesting part, well, a couple of parts. One part is really interesting in the definition is regardless of the eventual outcome. Yes. Uh, one of the big themes of the book is never place your value as a human being based on results. Never place your value. And this is very non-Western. The whole Western ethos is results, 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 results. Uh, the key to the book is don't do that. Never place your value as a human being based on results for a variety of reasons. One, you mentioned COVID. We don't control the results. I don't control the results. I mean, I didn't invent COVID. You didn't invent COVID. Things change all the time that impact results that we don't control. Two, though, which is much more important, what happens after you achieve the results? Now, one of the things I'm very proud of in the book is if you look at the first six pages, an amazing list of names. And if you read the first paragraph before those six, in the beginning, it says, they deserve the credit, not me. So uh, just wonderful, amazing people I've had the honor to work with, just wonderful people. One of them is Albert Berla, who wrote an endorsement for the book, Albert Cecile Pfizer. So I said a few months ago, Albert, how's it going? Well, he said, you know, last year, good year. I came up with that vaccine, very good. And he said, uh, you know, employee engagement, all-time high, stock price, uh, pride in the company, new books, CEO of the year, good year. So what's your biggest challenge in life? He said, next year. If his value as a human being is he has to do better than last year, he can pack it in. He will never do better than last year. A series of things happened that put him in an almost miraculous situation to do something good. We don't even want him to do better than last year. Michael Phelps won 25 gold medals. What did he think of doing after winning medal 25? Killing himself. Why? He couldn't beat last year. One of the people in our group is Safi Bacall. Safi has an IQ equal to mine and yours combined, probably. Brilliant, brilliant guy. PhD in physics from Stanford. He wrote a great book called Loon Shots. He made tens of millions of dollars, started four companies, uh, you know, consults to presidents. And he said he finally learned something from the football star, Curtis Martin. Curtis is retired, works very hard helps people all the time, and is always happy. And Safi said what he learned is he used to believe that happiness was dependent upon achievement. And if I achieve, I will be happy. And he said, I finally realized happiness and achievement are independent variables. He said, achieve to achieve, be happy to be happy, but never believe achievement is going to make you happy. And I said, Safi, good. You already have a PhD in physics from, from Stanford. You've made tens of millions of dollars, started companies, wrote best-selling books, consulted a president. If that's not enough achievement to make you happy, how much do you have to have? He's already a 99.999 on, on achievement now. Does he really believe 
getting to a 99.99999 is going to matter? It doesn't matter. And I think this is really so important for us to reflect about, because even you're speaking in the beginning, Michael Phelps, you, I think he's still the more, uh, with more gold medals in the Olympics. Yes. And it's incredible fit. But for me, what he has done afterwards and after he have to face his own demon, so to speak, and the, the, right. what he's doing now as a voice of mental health, yeah. I think is more consequential and will affect more people than incredible fit that he should be proud of, of the gold medals. I agree. What he learned, though, is don't put your soul in those gold medals. There's a, I noticed Buddha's behind you. There's a Buddhist term for this. It's called the hungry ghost. The hungry ghost is always eating, yet never full. You see, in the West, we've been brought up to believe everything will be okay when. When I get the money, status, BMW, condominium, when I get the promotion, when I get the PhD, when I finish the book, when it's a bestseller, when, when, when. There is no when. There is no when. One book always has the same ending, and they lived happily ever after. That type of book is called a fairy tale. That's not the real world. In the real world, every day we start over, every breath we start over. And and that uh, when then, or if, uh, when I finish this project, then I will finally have time to something. It's like a, a trap, that I call it a fallacy, that we keep falling into it. I even argue that the pursuing of happiness can be this one of the biggest when then traps so when i arrive i can finally enjoy happiness i no. keep pursue but it's like an excuse to keep the uh, to keep not really flavoring the moment right exactly and you know there are many schools of buddhist thought the the book is basically a buddhist philosophy book and i'm not a religious buddhist i'm a, a philosophical buddhist so my school of Buddhism is very simple. Buddha was brought up, or at least the metaphorical Buddha was brought up very rich. His father was a king, and he was living in a bubble. He was able to sneak outside of this bubble three times. First time he learned, people get old. Second time he learned, people get sick. Third time, you die. Old, sick, and die. Buddha said, wait a minute, all this more, more, more thing is not helping. He went out in the woods and tried to find peace and happiness with less, less, less. Guess what? That didn't work either. What did he finally realize? You can never find peace and happiness with more. You can never find peace and happiness with less. You can only find peace and happiness with what you have. There's only one time you can find it now. There's only one place you can find it here. This is it. This is nirvana. It's not up in the sky someplace. It's not out there. It's, it's all here. here. Yeah, it's inside. <laughs> And is that go beyond the dichotomies, go beyond, the, go uh, take us back to what you're speaking about the Western, the results, the achievement, and the East being a more be, beyond the dichotomies. And I think you, I love in the book that you articulate your triple A model, because I think it's a way for us to be able to think about these things, because you have the actions, you have the ambition, but you have the aspiration. Right. So it's a way of bringing together. So can you explain to our listeners a little bit your AAA model? Very nice. Well, what do you need for a great life? First, be healthy is good. The book is not a health book. Have good relationships with people you love. It's not a find someone you love book. And have probably it's good to have at least a lower middle class income because poor people are not that happy. 
but it's not an income book. Assuming you have a lower middle class income, because after that, more money is not going to make you happy. And assuming that you have good relationships with people you love and you're healthy, what matters? There's only three things. First one you mentioned is our aspirations. We need to have some answer to the great question, why? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing it? We need a higher level of aspiration or purpose in life. It may or may not be religious, but we need a purpose. What is the reason for it? And our aspirations have no time horizon. You don't reach a finish line on your aspiration and say, I won now, the game's over. Second, we need to have ambitions, and that's what we're trying to achieve. And what we're trying to achieve does have a finish line. It is a goal or a target. And then third is our action, our day-to-day activities. And that's what am I doing now? So the time horizon is infinite, set time horizon, and then immediate. Well, the key is alignment. To the degree we can align our achievements with our aspirations and our actions, we win. In other words, I have higher level purpose. My achievement is connected to this higher purpose, and I enjoy what I'm doing. And if you look at most people in our history as human beings, In our history as humans, most people have lived in the action phase, the day-to-day activity, the action. They had no choice. They were poor. They had to survive. Our ancestors were not mostly rich people. They were poor people. They had to survive. They're living day-to-day. And most people today still live there. You know, they play the video game. They go to work. They do what they're told. They just live a day-to-day life. Not bad. That's just what they do. Some people are lost in their head. They live in the world of ideas. They have lofty dreams. They don't maybe achieve much, and they may or may not enjoy it, but they're big on that. The people I coach and the people listening to this podcast, I can tell you, are achievers. They are achievers, and their biggest challenge is addiction to achievement. Their biggest challenge is this addiction to achievement and this belief about somehow, if I keep achieving, it all is going to be perfect. And no wonder we believe this. What is the great Western art form? You may have seen this a few hundred thousand times. The same drama. There is a person. Person is sad. They spend money. They buy a product and they become happy. This is called a commercial. How many of those have we seen in our lives? Thousands over and over and over. The message is it's out there. You can buy it. Once you get it, it's all going to be okay. The commercial, we are hammered with this in the West. And yeah, it's- uh, yeah it's, it's, and the, it's almost become, and we, I think if we look around us, we can find examples of that people that by outside standards, they, they have it everything, but they are not happy. If you look to Hollywood, there will be plenty. We can find a dime a dozen of the, those examples. They feel because they are always searching for that next thing, that next hit that right. next and never really um, enjoying and being happy. Because they keep searching for it out there. As you said, I thought you said that very well. They're searching for it out there. They're not looking for it in here. And I always I always think about the other examples because another thing that you speak about in the book is the heroes, the heroes that inspiring yeah. us. And uh, one that is one of my heroes that many people know will be Viktor Frankl. Mm-hmm. Uh, that survived several Nazis concentration camps in the Second World War. Yes. And for me, how a person with the suffering that he endured and loss, he lost his wife that was pregnant, his parents, yeah. his, 
but it's optimist in after all that experience that will justify <laughs> being bitter with life. Right. You are still one of the more optimistic people about human nature that I can think of. Right. Beautiful book. Yeah, The Man Searching for Meaning is is one of, because it's, how, it's like reading his story and the, and, um, and, and the purpose that you are speaking, because searching for meaning is searching for the purpose. That's it. Uh, uh, we cannot, it's like, okay, what is my excuse comparing to him? But even, okay, we don't have to go to people like him. I always think about my husband's grandmother. Um, um, she was born in Turkey from Armenian family yes. in the turn in the First World War in 2015. Yes. So she survived the Armenian genocide. Yes. And she came to the United States. She got married. She had a young kid. Great Depression come up. Uh, became a widow of 49, I still had the privilege to meet her, and she was this little young woman with a, a spiky sense of humor, a dynamic personality, uh, and she was incredible. And the small things, she loved to do the Turkish coffee and have us for coffee and speak with us. If they can enjoy life, why are we not enjoying life more? Well. You know, one chapter of the book that I really love is the part about the marshmallow test. Oh, yes. Now, I think this goes back to answer your question. The marshmallow test explains to me part of the answer to your question. If you remember the marshmallow test, it was at Stanford University, and they take these kids, and you give the kid a marshmallow. And you say, kid, if you eat one, you get one. But if you wait, oh, two marshmallows. Now, allegedly, they did this longitudinal research, and the kids that ate one all become losers, and the kids that eat two all grow up and are mega successful. Well, the, the message of the book is delayed gratification is good. Delayed gratification is good. Almost every self-help book, delayed gratification is good over and over and over. What they did not do in the research, though, is... They didn't take the kid with two marshmallows and say, kid, wait a little bit. Three, <gasps> wait some more, four, five, ten, a hundred, a thousand. And where does the story end? An old man sitting in a room, waiting to die, surrounded by millions of uneaten marshmallows. Sometimes you need to eat the marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> and enjoy every little bit, bit of it. Oh, Absolutely. Marshmallow. And the, the other story is Jack Welch, the famous CEO of GE. I love this story. I mean, he almost dies of a triple bypass surgery. My friend says, Jack, what did you learn about life? He said, why am I drinking cheap wine every night? Jack Welch, who loves great wine, has a wine cellar filled with great wine. And every night he's drinking cheap wine. Why? He is waiting. He's waiting for the wine in his wine cellar to appreciate in value. You know, he said, I'm rich. The guy's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm rich. What am I doing? And he almost died. You know what he said? No more cheap wine. No more. <laughs> Enjoying that beautiful glass. Enjoy, Enjoy it now. Yeah. What is he saving it for? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think that, that, that image of the marshmallow accumulation of the small, the, the be able to be in the now and enjoy the now 
knowing that what we did in the past will is 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 because and that is what I love about the the AAA model and I love that in the book the image that you pick to represent it is the A that has a core triangle because I think sometimes we have the tendency to to see things in a very linear way right but you pick something that is not linear Right. Because if one, oh, yes, we need action. Yes, we need the ambition. Yes, we need aspiration. And they are like, the, you, you call it the independent variables. They are right. kind of three different dimensions that if we lose one of the dimensions, we, we lose the shape of the triangle. That's right. to we need all of them and not forget why are we doing things. Exactly. I love that. And again, another Buddhist part of the book is the every breath paradigm. Buddhism, as you know, is very big on the concept of impermanence. There is nothing permanent. There isn't this set place. Or Life is forever changing. So every time I take a breath, it's a new me, new me. And I've got one exercise I really love for people on this is everyone listening, take a deep breath. Take a deeper breath. Think, new me. Everything that happened before this second in your life was done by an infinite set of people called the previous yous. Think of all the gifts those people have given the you that's listening to me right now. Think about the nice things they've done. Think about how hard they have tried. Open your eyes. If any group of people did that many nice things, what should we say to these good people? Thank you. Thank you, nice people. Thank you. Did they make a mistake or two? Who's the first person we need to learn to forgive? Let's forgive this person. I've asked thousands of parents around the world this question. When my child grows up, I would like my child to be. One word comes up from parents more than every other word combined, no matter what city I'm in, no matter what country. What's the word? Happy. You want your kids to be happy? You want your parents to be happy? You want the people who love you to be happy? You go first. You be happy. And be grateful is part of that gratitude and gratefulness is really part of the journey. And the happiest a lot, in my opinion, to do with believing that purpose. Yes. Being in alignment with that purpose. That is it. That's it. And very, 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 you know, important. The other thing that's important is live your own life. One of the great challenges of modern society is called vicarious living. And social media has made this much, much worse. Unfortunately, probably one billion hours have been spent with people watching something related to the Kardashians. People play video games. They watch the sports, entertainment, something. But they're not living their own life. They're living through other people. It's not them. I was telling this to my son. I said, playing video games, it's not a real thing. You're, you're playing. It's, an, it's imagining. He said, Dad. You don't know anything. He said, people spend hundreds of millions of hours watching other people play video games. Yes. I mean, how far away can reality can you get? You're watching another person play a video game. A guy is pretending to be in a war that's not there, and you're watching the guy pretend. And, and sometimes even go one level. You are watching somebody commenting on somebody playing. <laughs> Right, exactly. It's just, <laughs> and, and, you know, where's your own life? And sometimes it's the simple things. That is why uh, going out for a walk in nature 
or outside can be as simple as that to bring us to the present moment. We have to be paying attention where we put our foot one in front of the other, otherwise we are going to fall. Right. And we can smell nature and, and be out and notice a little bird that we didn't notice before or, or the leaves. Just, we really have to remind ourselves of that little, little importance of, like you are saying, the next breath and being in the present moment and really tapping in the power of it. Right. So one of the things, speaking about being grateful, I'm very grateful of knowing personally uh, uh, Frank Wagner, uh, whom I know that you work with him since I think the 1970s. Yes. I would love to hear from you, from your perspective, what is the role of these long-term friendships in an earned life? Well, Frank is a great example. Because I have a saying, you can't buy history. And Frank and I have known each other for oh, over 50 years. And the previous Franks knew a lot of the previous marshals. And when we can get together, we can talk about these other people. And we knew these other people. He knew the young versions of me. He's seen these various iterations and evolutions. And, and I with him. There's something about that you can't buy and you can't buy history with people. And that's something that's very different and special. And it's great to have new friends. New friends are good, but you can't buy old friends. That's something that just takes time and history to develop. So I do think both are good yet different. Both are good. It's good to have new friends. On the other hand, old friends know something that they don't. They knew these other people, the previous versions of you. And so you connect in kind of a different historical way that you can't purchase. There is a patina, or if we go to the wine example again, there is something beauty of the process of maturation of a wine. We still can enjoy a new wine, but there is something special on a wine that uh, has that maturation process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So how, how do you say you are in a phase in your life that you are totally giving back mm -hmm. through the uh, MG100 to mm -hmm. all the initiatives that you do. What you see us now for these next couple of years, what is your big thing in this in, for your life, for this, your legacy? Well, your, your, our listeners may not know what exactly MG100 <laughs> is. So let me Thank explain you. this. I went to a program put on by Aisha Bursell, who's also from Turkey. And part of the program, she said, who are your heroes? As you mentioned, my heroes were very kind and generous people who were nice teachers, people like Francis Hesselbein, Alan Mulally, Peter Drucker, Warren Bennis, people who were very kind to me, and they never charged me money. She said, you should be more like your heroes. I decided to adopt 15 people, teach them all I know for free. And the only price is when they get old, they have to do the same thing. So I make a little selfie video and put it on LinkedIn. Now, it's a very primitive video. It said, my name is Marshall. I got ranked number one leadership thinker and coach. And I'm getting old and I want to adopt 15 people, teach you all I know for free. And you get old, you have to do the same thing. That was all. 30 seconds. I'm thinking, well, maybe 100 people will see this and apply. 100. I was wrong. So far, 18,000 people applied to be adopted. And now I've adopted 
370 people. For example, CB is a woman who you know introduced us. And it's a wonderful program called 100 Coaches. This weekend, I'm going to be with actually about 105 of those people at my home here. Uh, two weeks ago, I was with another 60 of them. And I give away everything. So all of my material, I give away. You may copy, share, download, duplicate, use in church, charity. Use any of it any way you want to. And there's a franchise model, which most people use. It says, you must do exactly what I tell you in the way I said, or I'll sue you. And then they say, you must pay me money or I'll sue you. Well, mine is the opposite. I give things away. Use it any way you want to. Change it, modify it, put your name on it. I don't care. And it's all free. So it's a very different mindset. Yeah, and it's the paying it forward. Right. I receive, do the best with it, and then pay it forward in the future. And our rules in 100 Coaches are pretty simple. You can ask anyone for help. And if they can help you, they do. And if they can't, they can. And if they can help you, you just say thank you. You don't owe them anything, though. There's no expected payback, either psychologically or work-wise or money. The only payback is help someone else. That's the only thing. And it's a wonderful, wonderful concept. I love the group. And, you know, uh, I have a lot of honorary, uh, I call these my honorary children. And again, I was thinking young people would do this. It never dawned on me. People like the president of the World Bank and the CEO of the United States, all these other people. They said, I want to be, <laughs> I want to be adopted too. Wow. <laughs> yeah, my, my oldest adopted daughter is 106 years old. <laughs> wow we always can learn from each other and uh, it's beautiful what you are doing and the spirit giving the example that is possible to do this and be successful and uh, uh, living your purpose this way so i will tell all the listeners all the viewers to get the book the earn life is really a rich rich book that i honestly i have to reread i want to reread it to really go deep on it and uh, besides the book that they can buy uh, uh, at an, any place that sells books at the moment even if they are in an airport you can mm -hmm. see it everywhere there uh, how can people learn more about you and your amazing work well, uh, just go to my website, marshallgoldsmith.com. I give everything away there. I'm on LinkedIn. I have like 1.4 something million followers on LinkedIn. I give everything away. I'm on most of the social media stuff. And, you know, my email address, marshall at marshallgoldsmith.com. Send me an email. Now, Marshall has two L's, marshall at marshallgoldsmith.com. If you send me an email, I cannot promise to get back to you immediately, but I always get back to people. And so, you know, one thing I do is just, you know, try to make myself as helpful as I can. Yeah, and you absolutely do. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to spend this time with you. And uh, life is good, like you always say. Life is good. And, you know, in our time together, let's just imagine even two or three people have a little better life. Maybe two or three people. And they maybe help someone else. It's a very good use of both of our time. So thank you for giving me the honor. Thank you for listening and remember to visit mindset.zone. Yes, instead of .com, it's .zone. There you can find all the episodes and other amazing resources, all at 
mindset.zone. As always, I'm so grateful you are here. Expand what's possible for you, for the ones around you, for the world.